John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And when it comes to reading books, the, uh, people often talk about the first page test. That when you read a book, it can very often be the first page that will either grab your attention or kind of leave you cold. Uh, the first page can be the thing that hooks you in, gets you interested and keeps you reading more. Or it can be the thing that sees you close the cover and tuck it away on the bookshelf where it will never be seen again. Now, I have to confess, I'm not a great reader. Um, so a book really does have to grab me on the first page if I'm going to keep reading it. I just started just a couple of days ago reading Bill Bryson's new book, uh, The Body, and it's past the first page test. It's a book that grabs your attention as you start reading it. Uh, the start of John's Gospel is a very different experience to the other Gospels. And I think it grabs your attention and keeps you reading because you're trying to figure out what this guy is talking about. It, it sounds quite foreign and quite strange to our ears. And we're going to start by looking at what's often called the prologue of John's Gospel, these first 18 verses in chapter 1. And in these first 18 verses, we're introduced to pretty much all of the big themes that we're going to find throughout John's Gospel. I mean, first of all, who Jesus is, but also where he's come from, uh, the idea of God's glory being revealed through Jesus, and he introduces us to the importance of believing in Jesus, placing our trust in him. Now, I don't think for a moment that we're going to cover everything in these 18 verses, there's an awful lot that John says in here, and in some ways we're going to just be scratching the surface, but I want to look at two things that John says in these first 18 verses. First of all, about the Word, and then secondly, 
about responses to the word. So let's start with the word. John kicks off the book by talking about this mysterious figure, the word. So have a look at John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, as much as we possibly can, we've got to try and put ourselves into the shoes of the original readers, the people John was writing to when he wrote his gospel. We need to try and think about what they would have heard when they heard what John says here about the word. See, when John uses that term word, he's tapping into something that Jewish people would have understood pretty clearly. If you ask the average resident in Jerusalem at that time what they knew about the word or the word of God, they would have been able to give you a pretty detailed answer. They know that God's word was at work in the creation of the world. God spoke and creation came into existence. They know that God's word is a powerful thing. And I think that's why John uses those words, in the beginning was the word. It's almost echoing Genesis chapter 1. It's that same idea in mind, right at the very beginning. And it makes us think of that creation story. And the average resident in Jerusalem would have known that God's word came to people through the prophets. Uh, very often, if you read through the prophets in the Old Testament, they start with these words. The word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh came to this prophet. Now, they're not saying that the word kind of floated in through the door. That's not the idea. The idea is that God reveals himself through his word. People meet God in his word. The average resident in Jerusalem would have known exactly what John was talking about here. That God's word is powerful. That God spoke and creation came into existence. That God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. That God's word is at work in this world. So in a sense, none of the things that John says in those opening couple of verses would have been any surprise to the average Jewish reader. May sound a little strange and mysterious to our ears, but the average reader of this would have been perfectly happy to agree with what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made, nothing is made that has been made. In him is life, and that life was the light of men. No surprises there. They knew the connection between God and his Word. The surprise comes in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now that would not have been what they were expecting. That's the bit that would have grabbed their attention. That's the sentence that would have kept them reading what John's got to say. The word who was with God, the word who is God, the word through whom the world was made, took on human flesh. Now again, to get the full impact of what John's saying here, you need to pick up on the Old Testament imagery that he's using. See, glory and made his dwelling, they're very strong ideas in the pages of the Old Testament. That expression, made his dwelling, 
it, the word that's used there is actually the word tabernacle. And if you know back to the story of the Old Testament, uh, the tabernacle was the place where you met with God, where you could kind of see God's glory, where you could meet with God face to face. If you can remember back to the story of Moses and Exodus, remember Moses was the one who wanted to see God's glory. Moses was the one who built the tabernacle, the place where God would symbolically dwell with his people. So do you see what John's saying here? Do you see where all of this is going? The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Well, just in case you don't get it, John gives us a little bit of a summary there in verses 17 and 18. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the father made him known. Something that was not possible under the old covenant, that is seeing God and seeing his glory, is now possible in Jesus. Something that was just a shadow for Moses and a hope, a distant hope, is now a reality in Jesus. God stepped into the world. God has taken on human flesh. God has made his dwelling among us. Jesus is God in the flesh and if you had been there with a camera, you could have taken a photo. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? That you could have pulled your phone out and taken a photo of God. But the other big idea in those opening verses is how people respond to the word. How they respond to Jesus, the one who is God in the flesh. And generally speaking, John says that there's pretty much just two responses, rejecting or accepting. So have a look at it, starting there in verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. I'm increasingly finding that I don't recognise people. I don't know if anyone else has got this problem, but I'll be in Woolworths and somebody will come up and say, oh, hi, Luke, how are you? And I think, I've got no idea who you are. Like, your face isn't even vaguely familiar. I'll try to be polite, but I really don't know who those people are. They keep bothering me in Woolworths. It's always embarrassing when you don't recognise someone. My favourite not recognising someone is uh, involves Phil Rutgers, and I'm glad that he's not here today. You might know this face, Eric Thompson. Uh, he's an actor. He was in a TV show called Pack to the Rafters, and then after that he was in a, another TV show called 800 Words. He was living here in Balmain for a while while they were shooting Pack to the Rafters. And Phil had taken his kids down to Mort Bay to play in the park one afternoon, and, and Eric had taken his kids down to the park as well. And Eric was being a monster and chasing the kids around, and Phil was chatting with him and said, you do that monster thing really well. Have you done a bit of acting? And uh, eventually the conversation, Eric said, you don't watch a lot of television, do you? <laughs> Phil had no idea who this award-winning actor was. That's just a little bit embarrassing. But not recognising Jesus, failing to recognise who he is, well, that's pretty serious. The word 
that came into the world in Jesus, God in the flesh, failing to recognise him, well, that puts you in a difficult place. But it's not just that the world failed to recognise him. Have a look at verse 11. It goes a little bit deeper than just the world not recognising him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I think John's narrowing the focus here. It's not just that Jesus came into the world. He came to his own people, God's own people, the people of Israel, and they did not receive him. The people who should have recognised him didn't. He came into the world and they didn't recognise him and his own people didn't receive him. But John gives us a bit of a clue as to why they failed to recognise him, why they didn't receive him. It's back up there in verse number four. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a difficult word that overcome. It's not exact. They're not exactly sure how to translate it. Uh, the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not grasped onto it or overcome it. Jesus is the light that came into the world. But sadly, the world's in darkness, and sadly, the world would rather stay in the darkness. The darkness doesn't want the light. The word, under, the word understood is almost the same word as we have in verse 11 where it says they did not receive him. The darkness hasn't received the light and God's people haven't received Jesus. And those two things are connected. I mean, you know what it's like when you see, if you're out in the garden and you lift up that rock and there's those little bugs that live in the darkness underneath the rock there? As soon as you lift that up, they go scurrying. They want to find their way back to the darkness. They're not interested in being in the light. And that's the image that John's got for us here. That's exactly what Jesus does in coming into the world. That's what Jesus says. This is what he says in John chapter 3, a couple of chapters on. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. It shouldn't surprise us that people don't recognise Jesus or that they don't receive Jesus. Jesus' very existence is shining a light on us, on our lives. And it's going to show up those things that we would prefer other people didn't see. And failing to recognise Jesus seems to be a pretty accurate summary of how the world has responded to Jesus. But there are those, John wants to say, who make the right response. Go back to verse 12 of chapter 1. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It's remarkably simple, isn't it? Receiving and believing. That's all you've got to do to become part of God's family. 
That's how you're supposed to respond to Jesus. That those who do receive and believe, they become children of God. Kind of sounds a little bit too simple, doesn't it? You want, you want there to be something else involved. And we're going to make sure that we never take this for granted. That through Jesus, we become part of God's family. Through Jesus, we can say that we are children of God. Through Jesus, we can call God our Heavenly Father. Through Jesus, we have the privilege of knowing God as our Heavenly Father and being part of his family. Well, that's the first page test for John's Gospel. He's given us a little taste of what's to come. He's whet our appetite for some of the big ideas that will come up in this book. This book is going to be about Jesus, the Word who became flesh, who reveals God to the world, who reveals God's glory, the one who is God. Let me come back to those summary words, verse 17 and 18. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus. Up to that point in history, no one could say that they had seen God. But the people who were there with Jesus could stand face to face and look him in the eye. Up to that point, the people only had been given a glimpse of what God was like through his word and through the law. But Jesus changed all of that. Jesus is God in the flesh. If nothing else, that's what John wants to impress on us in these opening verses. Is that who you think Jesus is? God in the flesh? Jesus isn't just someone who tells us what God is like. Jesus isn't just someone who points us towards God. Jesus isn't someone who just teaches us about God. He is God in the flesh. And we need to receive him as God in the flesh and we need to believe in him as God in the flesh. And as people who have done that, we can know for certain that we are children of God. 